Hello, and welcome to the EU Policy Podcast. I'm Josina Kameling, Head of Regulatory Outreach for the EMEA region with CFA Institute. And uh, today we're going to have a, a focus on the future of work. Post-pandemic, and in our last podcast, we discussed, of course, the impact of the pandemic on the global economy with a deep dive down into regions, but also looking at the effect on the investment uh, management industry, on regulators. And the future of work fits in very nicely in in, in this as a follow-up, because, of course, we're looking at how our investment management firms coping in this post-pandemic environment where online work might be a more normal than going back to the office, where digital, the digital world is influencing us, where relationships and reporting lines are blurring and, and changing and morphing into different ways. A little bit later into this podcast, I'll mention the uh, a survey that was done by the Edelman Trust, which really does look at these societal changes and how that impacts the, the future of work. But now let me turn to, to Rodri. Rodri Priest, CFA, is Senior Head of Industry Research for CFA, and he's responsible as such for maintaining the global research function at CFA Institute, including planning all different um, new pieces of research in a stream we call the future of finance. And the future of finance, I think this series started well at more than seven years, eight years ago. But lately, it has gone into um, quite an accelerated pace. We've seen the future of the investment management profession, the future of the investment analyst, the future of sustainability, all of which pieces are available on our website. And I really would recommend our listeners to, to, to look at them because they are highly interesting and, and give you sort of a new paradigm for, for this new world we're finding ourselves in. So, Rodri, of course, you and I, we've been working together on EU policy for a long time. Uh, when I first came to CFA, um, we, we worked together on this. And now we find ourselves in a world where the online is, is really the new, the new norm. Regulators are trying to, to cope with this. Uh, we see them thinking outside the box much more than they have done previously, as do companies. But what does, it, what does this mean for our investment management profession? What do you think is going to be the new paradigm in financial markets and particularly in the, uh, in the investment management profession? Well, thanks, Jacina, for inviting me to participate in this podcast. It's a pleasure to see you and, and to connect on dialogue around the future of work and, and other EU matters, as always. I think you, you referred to this in your introduction, really, which was how well the investment industry has coped through the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, this has been an exogenous shock, a forced experiment with organizations having to send all of their staff to work in a fully remote environment. And ordinarily, you would expect some, some bumps and, and issues along the road there uh, in terms of how organizations have made that transition, how staff have adapted to the realities of virtual working. Uh, and I think that's been true, that there've certainly been a few hiccups along the way. But on the whole, um, the picture that, that we find ourselves uh, uncovering through this new research report on the future of work in investment management is that the industry has been enormously resilient to change through, this, through the pandemic. And that resiliency has been reflected in um, how well you know, job functions have, have continued to perform. Efficiency in organizations has held up relatively well. Um, we see new modes of working being adapted by investment organizations across the board. Um, the transition has been relatively seamless. 
And we're seeing that uh, in a variety of different job functions as well. So it's certainly true that you know, irrespective of the specific tasks, the specific nature of your job in the investment industry, um, it's been a pretty much across the board transition to remote work and that transition has been relatively smooth. And what that has really done is created the conditions for a future of work, uh, which will be hybrid. Um, so the success of remote working has really caused a mindset shift on the part of both employees and employers into what is possible, what, what is possible for the future ways of working. Um, so the context of the future of work is certainly hybrid. Uh, we do see a role for uh, physical collaboration, office-based working, um, but certainly the new ways of working in the virtual world uh, will remain with us for a long time to come. And I think the, the challenge for organizations will be how to make an effective hybrid organizational construct for the future of work. Yeah, and you, you, you mentioned quite rightly the hybrid uh, structure, but it, it has struck me uh, reading, um, reading news, uh, news around the globe that on Wall Street, there is more of an emphasis on people returning physically to their offices and insisting on getting vaccinated, high, strongly su suggesting this, whereas in, in the city and on the European continent, uh, there seems to be a, a slightly softer approach. Some of the uh, asset management firms in London uh, about six months ago said we are going online completely. Others have hybrid, as you say. Some others are pushing a little bit more in the American model. Um, in your research, have you seen any really very strong relevant differences between the EU and other countries in Europe, such as the UK and Switzerland, in the way uh, investment professionals expect uh, that work to continue? Well, I think we do see um, some differences in terms of the view from employers across different parts of the financial services industry and across different, different regions. So there'll be relatively more or less emphasis on office work versus remote work in different sectors and different regions. But I think broadly, the characteristic that the future of work will be hybrid is, is true in pretty much every region of the world. Um, in, in the survey that we conducted, a large scale survey of CFA charter holders around the future of work, we examined um, em employees' preferences for uh, hybrid working. And um, generally we found that 81% of investment professionals would like to work remotely at least part of the time in the future. And that actually rises to 85% in uh, Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. So a slightly higher than average preference for remote working in the European region. It's also true in the Americas region, uh, but that proportion actually dropped in Asia Pacific. So in Asia Pacific, 69% said that they would like to work uh, remotely part of the time. So we do see some differences across regions uh, but generally speaking, it's true that um, hybrid work is, is preferred and people, I think, just value the benefits of being able to, uh, to work remotely and, and to combine that with um, you know, work-life integration, which is now the, the term that we use instead of work-life balance, is about how do you integrate both aspects of, of your life to, to different degrees. And when you, when you look at a sort of investment management, you can think maybe um, it might be harder for uh, portfolio, well, portfolio managers might find it easier or harder to work online or in person. Um, but for some, some functions within uh, investment management, um, in person probably is, is going to be a stronger requirement than for others. Have you seen any big differences in, in, in that? 
So we analyzed the, um, the suitability of different job roles to remote working, and depending on whether you need you know, most of your day for concentrated work versus most of your day for teamwork. Uh, and it, there's certainly a lot of variability there across the different, um, <clears throat> the different job functions within the investment industry. So, for example, we find that roles such as economists, consultants, chief executive officers, credit analysts, roles that need to be responsive to breaking market events, those roles are, are uh, have, we find that those roles have less than half of their day as being predictable. So they need to be flexible and adaptive. And that suggests that those roles would benefit from being in a collaborative, uh, typically an office-based environment where you have the tools at your disposal and you have quick access to uh, to staff to, to react to uh, breaking events. But then on the other end of the spectrum, certain roles such as um, accountants or auditors, uh, information technology roles, performance analysts, investment consultants, we find that most of the workday is predictable for those sorts of roles. Uh, and those more predictable uh, job profiles are, are arguably best suited to remote working. So there is a, a, a mixture um, of, of uh, preferences for remote working versus office-based working according to the predictability of your workload. That varies across the financial industry. Uh, but on average, I think we can say that um, irrespective of the job function, it's possible to do at least a certain proportion of that job successfully in a remote environment. And the experience with COVID has backed that up. And I think what that does now is just create a, an expectation on the part of uh, professionals that their employers need to cater to the preferences for remote working. Um, it's, it's an important question, I think, for firm leadership in, in the quest to attract and retain the best talent. Can you provide a, a suitable, compelling, flexible work um, policy uh, to ensure that you get the right talent into your organization? And I think rightly you mentioned that it's important for the leadership to attract and maintain key talent um, within the organization. I think another issue that has cropped up during the pandemic is that there is a shift in, in where people look into democratic accountability. It is interesting that employees, for example, look to their CEOs in companies as taking lead on issues like climate change, um, but also social issues for them, uh, and far less to governments. Now, this, this came up in a recent Edelman Trust survey, an annual survey on trust to which CFA Institute has participated um, at various, uh, various times. Um, but it is interesting to see the shift in, in, in accountability, and it coincides with um, a whole shift on corporate governance, where uh, corporate governance really is took, taking into account all stakeholders, including employees. Employees, um, the way they function within the company, um, their, their work-life balance, let's say, is important. And this, this shift, I think, is, is going to be very interesting in development for the capital markets, for employees themselves, for companies, and for investment management. So what do you, what do you think, uh, how will, from your perspective and research, how will this relationship between employees and firms evolve as you see? And this, of course, might be the, the start of that research. You might be digging further along the line into this, but have you got some pointers on this? So I think, yeah, we would like to delve deeper into this issue around how do you create the right conditions as a, as a, as a senior executive, uh, as a member of the C-suite leadership of your organization, how do you create the right conditions to foster 
and inclusive and efficient culture and working practices in the hybrid business model of the future. And that does really place a lot of emphasis on building you know, effective, cohesive organizational cultures. Culture is really the glue that binds together an organization that creates the conditions for you know, engaged, productive workers. And that arguably becomes more challenging in a, in a world in which you do have a, a hybrid business model with some, some staff working in person and others working remotely. Maintaining inclusion will be an important aspect for employers and, and senior leadership to focus on. And to give one example of that, what we, what we found anecdotally is that the shift to remote working has been quite successful in terms of inclusion in the sense that remote working has been a great leveler. Everyone has had this experience of having to work in their homes via video conferences and um, that's, that's given everyone the same kind of opportunities and access to participate in meetings. And the new tools available in, in digital conferences um, allow a more con inclusive meeting practices in the form of using chat functions or raising your hand and so on and so forth. The challenge will be how do you maintain that level of inclusion in an environment where some people return to being in the office and sitting around a conference table and some people continue to dial in on a remote um, conference line. Um, so that, that's one aspect of inclusion that I think um, leaders will need to pay attention to because, um, again, we want to capitalize on the gains, the efficiency gains, but the inclusion gains that have been made through remote working and bring that experience to bear in, in the, the new hybrid world of working. And then I think the other point that I referred to earlier is just this issue around um, flexible working, going from being a nice to have to a must have. Um, we're seeing them, as I said earlier, we're seeing demand from employees that their employers provide flexible working policies. And we're seeing a big shift in cultures and attitudes on the part of firms to cater to those demands. So prior to the COVID pandemic, in our survey, we found that um, around three quarters of firms uh, indicated that there was limited support uh, available for um, flexible working policies. Such policies were only available in certain limited circumstances. Fast forward two years and following the pandemic, we now see that three quarters of firms actually have strong support for flexible working policies and that these policies are now culturally accepted and easy for, for individuals to get approved within their organizations. So it's now sort of a, um, a must-have if you're to be competitive in, in the landscape attracting the best talent. Uh, but how you translate that into an effective culture in a hybrid world will be something that's, that leaders will need to pay attention to. And, and regulators too, because employees may think online work is the world is their oyster and they might work as I am doing at the moment, work from Greece uh, and be online uh, and enjoying a, a swim. Um, but again, um, it's not always possible. And, it, and, and this, this kind of distant moving to different countries, working online for your employer may have tax implications. I think um, governments, regulators are at the start of analyzing how this will work. Perhaps this is easier in the European Union, but even there, there is no tax harmonizations. Um, so th these are all challenges for employers, for regulators. 
Do you see any any other issues that policymakers ought to be fun, uh, focusing on besides the tax, the social uh, security implications? Should they be having a more dynamic dialogue with firms, as sort of creating this new model and and seeing that they are catching all the advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, I, well, I, so I think you hit on some important points there around location policy, taxation implications. I think another one is is operational risk. Um, so as a, as a firm, as a regulator, the, the hybrid world does create certain challenges in terms of operational risk. If you think about some people being uh, located physically in an office on their company servers, others working remotely off an internet connection at home, does that expose the company to you know, additional risks, virus threats, uh, so on and so forth? But from the regulator standpoint, in terms of monitoring the supervision of business conduct, Arguably, that could become more challenging where um, you have certain core job functions being now conducted in a, in a remote environment, some being conducted uh, physically in, in an office space. Um, the ability to monitor, supervise, and enforce conduct issues could potentially be challenged. I mean, I don't think we have necessarily seen specific instances that call into question the efficacy of remote working vis-a-vis conduct risk and operational issues. But it's just something that I think policymakers, regulators need to be mindful of. Does remote working create a higher propensity for, you know, malpractice or you know, unethical activities? It's an issue that our survey highlighted that certain uh, charter holders identified a, a potential rise in unethical activity as one possible adverse consequence of uh, more hybrid ways of working. But fortunately, we haven't really seen that manifest itself in the financial services landscape just yet. I think you, you you picked on a very key issue, business conduct, which of course is course to uh, CFA Institute's mission, let's say. We, we really do look at, at having fair uh, market practices and good investor protection. And when you look at those ethical issues, um, the online world doesn't facilitate a challenging discussion because you you have a time in which you discuss it it is all you know you you miss a lot of the the uh, other signals you may catch from people when they talk you, we only see a part of, of the the bodies that you that you that you see on an online camera so we miss a lot of the other information that might be a challenge for uh, young professionals starting in their career. They need um, groups around them. They need mentoring. They need uh, to be in close contact and, and learn. They have an apprenticeship to do. What what uh, do you see as a key key issue for these young professionals? So I think that is is uh, an interesting issue and and one that certainly will be a challenge for organisations in terms of their talent development. Um, if you are hiring and onboarding new staff, um, potentially professionals who are recent graduates, um, a key aspect of, of their talent development, their skills development, is, is on-the-job learning and having exposure to good managers uh, and good mentors in the workplace who they can observe, watch, learn, and gain experiences from. And um, if you take those uh, in-person experiences away, I think it's much harder to, to onboard and then develop uh, the skills and, and talent of, of young professionals in a fully remote environment. Um, so I think really that issue itself highlights the, the value of, of offices uh, and the need for um, a physical setting for, for, to help 
um, young young professionals develop their skills. And consistent with that, there will arguably be a need for certain you know, managerial staff, certain senior members of an organization to be in the office as well to help provide the right nurturing, the right level of job support in order to develop talent and, and provide the right level of, of guidance for, for new joiners. So that will be something, that, again, that uh, leadership will need to pay attention to in, in the hybrid work, making sure that you have the right mixture, really, of, of seasoned professionals uh, and junior employees in an organization uh, in an in-person setting so that you know new talent can can develop the skills it needs to progress. And that obviously is in the best interest of the firm, it's in the best interest of the clients that it serves so that it can effectively perform um, you know, its duties and, and deliver good investment results to the clients. Yeah, and I, I think we have learned really so many lessons from this pandemic, uh, which was so unexpected. In, in our recent CFA Institute COVID survey, uh, we saw that organizations are looking at different ways to deliver value to society. In a recent report I co-authored on corporate governance in the EU, we also saw that companies are seeking to do good for society. That means that that S in the ESG is, is, is increasingly important. And that S encompasses both the, the footprint outside the company, but also inside and for its employees. Companies now uh, in France, for example, some are qualifying themselves as companies with a mission for the good of society. Again, this is something that's growing, something that's also at the heart of CFA Institute in our mission statement. We want to look at finance for the ultimate benefit of society. What do you see uh, post-pandemic uh, grow? Do you see a growth in this conscience, the social conscience, or is this something that is still lies in the future of, of research? I think that's that's very, very much right, that there's a significant shift in the weight of emphasis given to social issues, the S in ESG. These issues have been prevalent for a long time, of course, but have really risen up the agenda in terms of urgency on the back of the pandemic. Uh, organizations, not just in the financial services industry, but, but across the, the board, really, have been grappling with issues around how do you treat your customers, your suppliers, your workforce, particularly in an environment where People are having to juggle work responsibilities with dependent care responsibilities. And that particularly applies in a working from home situation where, you know, you have school children forced to homeschool. You may you know, be living with elders who you care for, trying to manage those responsibilities and, and the stress really of doing that alongside maintaining your day-to-day -day job responsibilities can be challenging. And we see that mental health concerns are um, right at the top of the agenda for uh, for employers in terms of their, their list of uh, social concerns, let's say, in terms of the, the, you know, the, the effectiveness and the well-being of their workforce. So mental health has risen right up the agenda. But I think, as you say, the, the attention to those social issues will remain. The pandemic has, has merely added greater urgency to these issues. And I think it's, it's a welcome and needed focus, um, not only for having effective, productive, engaged workforces, but also, therefore, businesses that, that, that can deliver their services uh, in the best interest of their clients. So I think, I think this shift towards the, the greater attention and focus to social issues is, is here to stay. I think that is, we're all looking to a more sustainable world and a world, again, which seemed to have 
gone in a race to jump ahead. Um, we, we, we are faced with our own, let's say, barriers and finalities, and we have to look to each other. And I think that's, that has been a very important lesson in this pandemic. It, the pandemic is both a challenge and an opportunity, as all these uh, extreme, extreme situations are. Rodri, thank you very much for your insight and, and giving us some of the tips of, of, of your research. Um, we look forward to more of it and always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Josina.